welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the Sunday of the Passion, or Palm Sunday, for the week of April 14th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited to start putting the path of what we've been working through in Lent together as we really get to deeply contemplate here the last week, week and a half of Lent, what this all was about. So I'm excited to be on this journey, and I'm excited that you are here along with me. So before we get into this week's podcast, I got a couple of shameless plugs. First, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, I'd highly recommend it. It's something for me, since I'm not an ordained minister, that I use each and every week as I prepare to bring you this podcast. If you haven't checked it out, I'd highly recommend it. Second of all, if you have not checked out God Friended Me, again, I would say it's worth checking out. It's definitely a show that's taken some twists and turns this year, but I think it also shows the possibility of how God works through people who may or may not know that God is working through them, and also what does the Christian faith look like in the 21st century. I think there's at times we question and try understanding that, and I think this show brings up some interesting points that way. So before we get into this week, we have to tie in last week's podcast question, and I kind of gave a challenge to everybody of going out and doing something in God's creation, and what did you do? And I heard a couple responses back of just simple little things, even just trying to clean up the neighborhood around them, which I think is a great time of year, especially here in the north as snow is melting. New things are revealed, and some are pleasant and some aren't, and it's a simple little thing you can do. I know for me, one of the things that I looked at and did this week was I purchased a bicycle for myself that I will be using more this summer, and I'm excited about that. I think it's also one of those things where it's thinking rationally and thinking big on what things we can do. I will attach a link down below. 60 Minutes, right after I recorded this last week, ended up having a really interesting story talking about how the permafrost in Siberia is melting and how one guy has some evidence to do a very radical thing in order to save the permafrost and his reasoning behind it. And I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but it's worth a watch. And I think it's that type of idea. It's that type of thinking outside the box, thinking creatively, that's going to end up helping us figure out how we're going to solve some of these different calamities on which we are building. But one final thing that I want us to remember as we dig into this week's text, because the complexity of what we're dealing with, because we have The gospel text and an alternative gospel text, which the alternative gospel text most likely in a lot of services will be used as a processional gospel this week. So I think it's one of those things we have to remember what's going on. So last week you had the anointing of Jesus's feet by Mary and this very public act. And now Jesus has turned his face toward Jerusalem and is processing and moving in that direction. And before I even give what they're saying the gospel text is for Passion Sunday, I want to go through the alternative 
gospel text this week is from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. And this is what we get as the Palm Sunday text, if you're familiar with that. So Jesus is entering Jerusalem. He tells his disciples to go and get this colt that's waiting there and that he's going to use it, that if the owners ask about it, that the Lord needs it. And of course, as they're untying it, that's what they tell the owners is that the Lord needs it. He then, as he's entering, they throw the robes on this colt that's never been sat upon. And then they were putting just their coats in Luke's gospel on the ground. And then, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, praise in heaven and glory in the highest, coming from verse 38. The Pharisees are kind of warning them that you don't want to cause too much of a stir. And Jesus responds with, in verse 40, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So this kind of fanfare as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. But the gospel text this week is also out of Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through chapter 23, verse 56. And this is the whole passion story from the beginning of him with the Passover meal or the first communion and talking about the crucifixion. So the kind of the Monday, Thursday type of text and Judas betrays Jesus. He gets brought to Pilate. Pilate then brings him in front of the crowd. They want to crucify him. They typically, during the Passover, release somebody. They'd rather have Barabbas released than Jesus. And so, crucify him, crucify him. To the point then where he is brought to Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. And he, Jesus again says, talking with God in this case, you know, they don't know what they're doing. People mocking him. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then he dies. The curtain in the temple is torn in two, which is fulfilling prophecy talked about in the Old Testament. And people are quite sad. And they take him down and lay him in a tomb prepared with spices and ointments, which was the traditional burial process at that time. So it's the whole passion story. And part of this was because we had found at one point in the lectionary, you have Palm Sunday followed by Easter, and there were people missing kind of what was going on. So it's been something that's been brought into the recent lectionary. So it's one of these things that you might hear both this week. And I think there's a lot of things we can dig into here. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 9a. And again, this is talking about how In this case, this teacher is given the tongue to be able to speak the word, but sometimes that still means that they're going to face some adversity and that the Lord helps them through these adversities, helps them through these difficult times to get them through, as you can kind of see tying into that passion narrative. And again, then the psalm this week is Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. And it continues this grief type of thing of the grief and sorrow that is within us as we're working with this and wrestling through it. 
that God believing and trusting that God is going to deliver them through this time, no matter how hard and how difficult it gets. And this continues then in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, that remembering if we're in the same mind of Christ, what he did for us and how far he was willing to go for us. And that because of that, we then should be thankful and praise God. A lot to dig into, a lot to kind of go through here and to contemplate. And especially as we're looking and thinking about this, the big thing that comes through is just the love of Christ and how as you go through this passion story, how Jesus is having to almost remind his own father they don't know what they're doing, that he does not fear in this time. And we've talked about fear in the past, but he's reminding that they just aren't informed on what's going on. And that forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. They're casting lots. They're doing all these things that would easily pour resentment. And yet he's still in this culture of loving and reminding himself that he loves these people, which to me is kind of this Where does the human part of Jesus and the divine part of Jesus happen? And I think if you think all what we've gone through here the last couple weeks, I think it starts to become a little bit more in focus. Because if we think about you have the anointing of Jesus' feet, which is kind of this interesting signal of Jesus having a woman turning him, his mother, with the first miracle of turning the water into wine, introducing him and bringing him into his ministry. And now we have Mary last week, the anointing of the feet, as it kind of this turning point of Jesus going directly toward Jerusalem during the Passover. And I think this is kind of the transition point, this point that changes things where Jesus now is more about the divine than the human side. We see that humanistic line at the end of last week, that there will always be poor, but you won't always have me. And yet then he turns toward Jerusalem, and he then kind of calls out to the Pharisees this week. They cause a big stir. Who cares? Because I'm going to cause a big stir anyways. The rocks are going to cry out. There are going to be things going on. And so it's this drive that Jesus has. Because if you think about it, he has a following at this point. But now he is going into the heart of the beast, if you want to put it that way. And what he is doing, no one else can do. Because if you think about, he's got this little following here in Luke that they're laying down their cloaks, they're entering them in. There's points where there's different theologians who will go through and that this is almost like a counter protest to what is going on in the city at the same time. But yet when we get to the passion story, that's only a couple chapters later, where is everybody? Because here he has his Passover meal, where we get the introduction, which is the Monday Thursday text of learning the Holy Communion, and that he says that one of them will betray him, and so one of them does betray him in this case. And yet then we continue to move forward with this, and where are the disciples? 
We have gone from this crowd to the small group of disciples to now it's just Jesus up on that stage. And even Peter has distanced himself from him. And this is where we also get where Jesus told Peter he would deny him three times before he died. He does. He denies knowing the man. And the third time, then we hear the cock crow like Jesus predicted because he doesn't want to be associated because he's afraid for his own life. We can assume that he would then be rolled into this whole thing. Jesus goes and does something that none of us could do alone. And I think it's one of these things that as we try to put ourselves in that situation, as we try to say we would be like this, we obviously can't. So how does this tie to science? And I think there is one example that as I was contemplating this, I think makes sense. And some churches maybe you've heard of this book that I'm going to reference here. It's been something of a topic as we're talking about, thinking about, the change that needs to happen within the church, and that's canoeing the mountains. And so if you think about Lewis and Clark, Lewis was chosen by Thomas Jefferson after making the Louisiana Purchase in 1802 to get together a small group of people. And so in early in 1803, him with his person that he had helped co-direct an army with, William Clark, and 31 other men took off on the Corps of Discovery, starting in St. Louis and heading up the Missouri River. They got to Fort Mandan in the winter, and the Native American people there kind of helped them weather the winter, and that's where you have Sakakawea or Segajuia join their expedition as they continue to head west, as she was originally from out there and had been kind of kidnapped. And so they continue and they get to the foot of the mountains in roughly Montana, Idaho. And it's at this point that you have to realize what the goals were of Jefferson. First and foremost, the primary goal was the rumored Northwest Passage, the waterway through North America. That was their primary goal. Also to make maps and kind of map out the areas in which they were going and also to make discoveries with new species, which they brought back over 150 new species of plants and animals that were discovered on this trip. But I think about Lewis and Clark at that moment, and you have to bring in Segajuia or Sakakawea at that point also. Because at that point, Lewis and Clark easily could have turned to Segajuia and said, here you go, you know these people, we can leave you with them if you want, but we have found out that this is as far as it goes and this is our primary mission. So we could turn around and head back. And yet they persisted on. They then had to sell their canoes and to acquire horses, which I'll say Segajuia made huge contributions to be able to help with the relations within the Native American community which again was also one of the things that Jefferson wanted done was to help build relationships with the Native American people. But they easily could have just said, our primary goal was to find this Northwest Passage. It obviously isn't here. We're going to go back to St. Louis. Instead, with buying those horses and 
pushing over the mountains to be able to get to the coast of Oregon, we understood then what the landmass that we were on looked a little bit like. And it was that persistence, that drive, that curiosity to know, to me, is the in this case, one of the closest things I can find in science. Because if you think about the other crew members that were with Lewis and Clark, what are they saying? There's no way we're canoeing up those mountains. (laughs) This isn't what I signed up for. Why are we doing this? You have to remember, when they're abandoning their canoes, that means that they have to go lighter. They can't bring everything with them. So food rations are going to be smaller. How many of them just then decided that, like, if it was purely up to me, we wouldn't be doing this. Let's go back. And how similar that is to what we have in this gospel text. We have Jesus processing in, like going to St. Louis fanfare, and you have this beautiful boat, and we're going to go up the big muddy, as it would later be known. And now they get to this big adversity tipping point, and they easily could have said, we're just turning around. But they didn't. They decided we needed to innovate, we needed to change, we needed to continue to move forward. And it's at this point when we start looking at Jesus, we really are not seeing the human side of Jesus anymore. We are seeing the divine. We are seeing someone going further than what any of us could do. Because I really don't feel like that we're that much different than those disciples. And if they were fleeing, and if they were saying, I am not associated with this man, we would have done the same. When we would have seen the mountain and understood what possibly stood at the top of it, we would have turned around. This is what makes this such a powerful couple stories here, is when it's easy, of course, there are people who want to join in. But the difficult thing in going through a difficult time is when you really find who are the actual leaders, who are the actual people willing to fight and to get through these situations. And when I think about the church as a whole, as I think about where we are in the world, I think there are a lot of different things right now where we're looking at mountains. And it's the question of, are we going to sit there and just grumble and complain about it? Are we going to sit there and just say, let's turn around? Or are we going to sit there and sell canoes and buy horses and climb those mountains to figure out how we're going to solve these problems? And it's not just one. It's a lot of different problems. But I think if we as a group of people decide that we are going to try to tackle these together, because it wasn't just Lewis and Clark and Sacagawea climbing those mountains, it was the core of discovery climbing those mountains. And because of that, we are then able to accomplish great things. I'm not saying that everything about the Lewis and Clark expedition was perfect, and that's another discussion for another day. But I think it's one of those things that we have to look at and consider. If we're going to look and consider about what Christ did for us, what are we willing to do for our faith? What are we willing to do for our neighbor? What are we willing to do for our planet? 
for our community and faith community extending way beyond the self? I think that's the hard question and the difficult thing that we have to grapple with and to deal with. So the Twitter question this week will be, where are you seeing people addressing others? And or where are you extending yourself to help others? And others will be in quotes and purpose so that it means more than just human beings if that's what you want it to mean. I'd love to hear your answers. Feel free to shoot me an email or feel free to shoot me a tweet at faithandsipod. I'd love to hear your feedback to that. This isn't easy times. And as you can imagine with going through what Jesus did with the passion, coming off of the high of entering in to the celebration, there's times that we're going to celebrate together, but it's going through those difficult times. We'll find out who are really in our core of discovery. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.